I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Look, it slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick fire and drags it down now. Long we over. What a goal! What a goal! Here comes up, Jack. Hello there, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, welcome to the Hand and Roar podcast. Another international break is here and what opportunities have befallen Steve Clark and his squad this September. The chance to beat England next week and maybe, maybe even qualify for the Euros by the time this break is done. But first, it's Cyprus and we'll be taking each game as it comes here on the Hand and Roar as well. Thanks very much for tuning in. If you're a fan of the pod, please be kind enough to leave a quick review on whichever site you use from Spotify, Apple or whatever else, because it's much appreciated and it helps the pod grow organically because listener numbers and engagement are going up with the team performing strongly. So the more people downloading, the better. I'm your host, Andy Barge, and I'm joined by pod veteran and sports writer Ben Ramage, as well as French football commentator, It seems to still post about Livingston more than Mbappe, etc. It's Callum Brown. Fellas, welcome. Ben, good to have the Scotland men's team back. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I've not done a podcast for a while. Um, So I'm uh, hoping that I'm not not too rusty. (laughs) Well, Callum, Bruni, do people call you Bruni? Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of my my close mates and and everyone calls me Bruni. Bruni then. Bruni, Bruni, you're uh, you're going to Cyprus tomorrow and then you're back in the country for England next week? I am indeed. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Booked up Cyprus. uh, It must have been a a good five, six months ago now. So um, really looking forward to it. It's kind of flown in. So buzzing for that and buzzing to be be back for the England game as well. One I I couldn't miss um, being over here. Tweeting about Livy in Scotland, you never lose your roots. (laughs) Well, it might be almost as warm in Cyprus as it is in Glasgow at the moment. I have to say it's absolutely blistering. Well, we'll have a reminder of the league table and the permutations for you especially, Bruni, just before you go to Cyprus, in case you've forgotten. If we beat Cyprus and Spain beat Georgia on the same night, 
we can qualify next Tuesday during or just after the England game if Norway and Georgia draw on the same evening. So we could qualify on Tuesday while we play England if we keep our end of the bargain on Friday night against Cyprus because if we win and if Georgia lose, they'll have four points with 16 to play for. Norway already have four points with 16 to play for. And then if they draw on Tuesday, a point would mean they'd both have five with nine left to play for and they'd be 10 behind Scotland. So if you've managed to wrap your head around those numbers, let me sum it up for you. It's good news. The situation is uh, quite rosy for Scotland at the moment. In fact, we can look at We Global Football's Euro 2024 projections, qualification projections, that is, Um, they divvy things up into nice percentages for us. And if we look at some of the big teams and their chances of qualifying, Ben, we've got Italy, 75.56% of qualification automatically. Netherlands, 75.84% of automatic qualification. Turkey at 86. Denmark at 93% of automatic qualification. Croatia, 95.12% of automatic qualification. In Belgium, 97.6% of automatic qualification. And then if you look really closely, in number six, with a 98.88% of automatic qualification, you'll see Scotland. I guess that just means we're a big team now, you know? It's <laughs> official. We've officially cracked it. But then there's still the part of me that's like, what about that one point two four four percent whatever it is? It's never done get that, it's get that fatalism in the bin, Ben. Twenty twelve. <laughs> Twenty twelve called it once it's it wants its cynicism back. <laughs> I know. Like honestly, looking at these kind of numbers though, like looking at the permutations, it's incredible to think that, you know, not that long ago we were looking at, you know, the last three or four games and thinking, how can we actually still qualify? Like what results do we need to happen to still even have a chance to go? Whereas now it's like the total polar opposite and it's a much better position to be in. And I guess that's the Steve Clark effect. There's, there is another way that we can qualify very soon. I think I've got this correctly. Please, uh, any listeners, if I've got it wrong, call me out. So here's my bullet point. If we beat Cyprus and Georgia and Spain draw, and then on Tuesday, Norway and Georgia draw, and Spain fail to win against Cyprus, unlikely as it is, then we would also be through, I think, because Georgia would be on six with nine to play for. Spain would be on five with 12 to play for, but they play each other on November 19th. So they both can't win all their games from there on. So only one of them would be able to overtake us. So I think that also would mean that we're through, but it's incredibly unlikely that Spain will fail to beat Cyprus next week. So I think the most likely scenario is the first one. Um, But we won't get into your preferences. No, would you rather qualify by doing it on our own merit with a point in Seville, blah, blah, blah. We'll take each game as it comes. We'll take the Steve Clark mantra and every other professional footballer that's ever lived and we'll just focus on Cyprus on Friday. Uh, a reminder of the squad stories. Did have Elliot Anderson as my first one, but it's just breaking in the last half an hour that he is in fact out. Have to applaud the daily record on their headline. It's... Quite sensational, really. Um, Elliot Anderson quits Scotland camp to leave international future up in the air with England circling. Um, oh no, what's this? As have England poached Elliot Anderson? And then if you click the article, you will see. Uh, the Newcastle United midfielder has returned to Newcastle for treatment. The 20-year-old claimed to have suffered an injury in training today with the national team on Tuesday. So I don't think there's been any confirmation yet from the SFA, but 
Scott Burns and the Daily Record seem quite sure about it. So perhaps, well, it would seem no Elliot Anderson this international break, which was a little flicker of excitement. Callum, I don't think he was perhaps being viewed through the lenses of saviour, which we might have six, seven, eight years ago. But it was an exciting addition at, at, at the time last week. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, one that I've kind of swung on over the last year. Um, initially, kind of wasn't a a fan of it, him, you know, dilly dallying. But glad that again, we we hope that he's committed. Um, definitely one that's good going forward. But yeah, interesting that you know he's picked up that injury and unfortunate. Definitely wouldn't have been one for me that that starts the game either game against Cyprus or England. Um, Ideally, maybe he would have been one. Obviously, we're just focusing on Cyprus. That maybe again the the proper dream scenario is you're you're two or three nil up, hopefully, and then he would maybe be one that that comes off the bench. He gets that that glamour cap with not a lot of pressure on him. But obviously, it's not to be. Um, we'll await to see if England are circling around or or whatever. Um, which again, I don't think don't think will happen. I think he's given Clark his word, which. Um, I hope is is gospel for coming squads, but yeah, it's unfortunate, but not one that that I'll lose sleep over. Is maybe maybe as harsh as that sounds. Um, he, he wouldn't have started for me. Would have been great to see him, but um, we'll we'll see him further down the line. Yeah, I'm sure Anderson's time will come. Another player who probably fits in that bracket, Ben, is your namesake, Mister Doak. I wonder now if he might get an opportunity to train again with the first team with Anderson out. They are uh, not not exactly the same type of player, but they probably fit in the same bracket of young, energetic, exciting, pacey winger, uh, or attacker anyway. Clark said this week that Doak was close to the call-up, but he's part of the future and isn't far away. Do you maybe think that he might slot in for a bit of training here if Anderson goes home, or is this just wise man management or player management from Clark just to leave well enough at the moment? Yeah, I think the fact that he's only 17 means that there really isn't a, a huge rush on Doak. And I think the plan was, I think the under-21s are playing Spain um, over the weekend or maybe Monday. And I think he's going to get more from playing 90 minutes and you know hopefully starring in that game than he would potentially getting like a small cameo off the bench and getting his first senior cap. I think you you can tell that the player is there. So I, I really don't think there's any particular need to rush him. Um, and I don't think there's any question over loyalty of going anywhere else. So I think his time will come. I don't think it has to happen in this particular camp. Well, changes from the summer camp. Greg Taylor is not involved, which I have to admit caught me by surprise slightly. I just assumed he would be a regular fixture now within the, the camp. And Dominic Hyam is also at the Blackburn centre half. Scott McKenna's back, as is Nathan Patterson. Two positive uh, changes there, I would say, for the Scotland squad. We'll start up front, though, Ben. I think we can probably comfortably say Lyndon Dykes is not quite match fit, but he has been raring to go for Scotland almost every time he's turned up. He's on great form for us. Do you think that he will start over Shea Adams, despite the fact that Dykes has missed the last three games? He hasn't played since the 16th of August. Yeah, I think it really will depend on how he performs in training this week. I think Clark absolutely loves him, and most of the Tartan Army do as well, me included. Um, I think he'd run through several brick walls for Scotland. 
Um, so if he's fit, then I have no doubt that he would put his body through it. And he does, I think, offer a little bit more physicality than Adams in terms of holding the ball up. Um, Adams has, has always done well for me for Scotland, so I wouldn't be upset if he started. Um, but yeah, I, I would expect Dykes to start if he's fit enough. Callum, Gareth Ainsworth, the QPR manager, expected Dykes to be back for the weekend's game against Middlesbrough, but he doesn't. He didn't make it. It's a knee issue, um, apparently. That must suggest that he's close to a return if the manager initially expected him to make it. Would you have any issue if he comes straight back into the Scotland team after three weeks injured? For me personally, no. Um, I, I wouldn't have an issue. I think as as I, I really like Shea Adams. Um, Obviously, we'll come on to it a wee bit, but you know he's he started very well this season at Southampton, despite you know a couple of substitute appearances. He's, he's still scoring goals, um, albeit in the in the championship now. Um, ideally, Dykes is is playing and, and and doing the same at, at club level, but for me, his, his record for Scotland speaks for itself. Um, you know, there's the argument probably every every squad that you know he, he should be doing better domestically or at, at club level. But you know we we know what he gives for Scotland, um, both like both in terms of on the pitch, with his ability, but his attitude as well for me is is absolutely exceptional, um, especially given he's quote unquote a, a converted Scotsman as such, um, and you know what I what I'm willing to bet he gives off it as well in terms of being in the group. But yeah, for me it's it's Dykes is you know shut to lose, um, he'd be my first choice, but. Um, if he isn't fit or Clark wants to go with Adams, it's it's not something I would be against. I'm a, a big fan of both and it's definitely a good headache to have. The Adams was Scotland's starting striker this time last year and he did start against Cyprus in the 3-0 game in March. It wasn't until Adams got injured and Dykes recovered from his illness that Dykes really took over the mantle. Uh, Adams is on form at Southampton. You're quite right, Callum. He... Scored three and three to start the season, but yeah, he's still not in the eleven. He's only played forty-five minutes over the last couple of games. Good to see him, I think, stay at Southampton and maybe come into international camps with a bit of wind in his sails. We did say in a previous hand and roar, Everton are unlikely to be a team that can forage loads of opportunities for him to stick away. And it might be another season, Ben, where he only ends up scoring four, five, or six Premier League goals in a team that are fighting to stave off relegation, but. I know they've started the season poorly, but Everton have actually missed a lot of chances. They they have created a significant amount. If you look at the the table of who is creating the most chances in the Premier League, Everton are quite high up it, but they've just not been sticking them away. So maybe it would have been good for Adams to go there, but alas, he remains in the English Championship, and uh, he's one of a few Scots in there now. Um, three and three to start the season. Do you think that he will be given the nod, Ben, on Friday night? Well, talking about the Everton move, I was reading uh, in the Athletic. I think it's only just come out that they were they thought he was maybe too old, and he's only twenty seven. So I kind of thought, <laughs> what chance does that leave the likes of us, or especially me, um, if, if twenty seven <laughs> is now considered too old? Um, I I think to play in the Premier League, that's I think that's the best for all our players, whether it's in a struggling team or a good team. Because I think that kind of player that you're you're up against that has to help when you go into international duty. So I would have loved him to have gone to Everton. And as you say, they are creating chances. Um, so I I think he would have been a good fit for them. 
But as it is, you know, you hope that he can then score plenty in the championship and then he comes into our camps, you know, full of confidence. Um, and I've got no doubt he'll do a good job for us if he does start up front. Um, he'll have plenty of bodies around him. And he's actually arguably a better finisher than Dykes as well. So if he only gets a couple of chances, then, you know, I'd put my money more on him finishing than Dykes. They're, they're, neither of them actually are in entirely prolific form for Scotland. But if you look back at their most recent 10 caps uh, individually. Shea Adams has got one in 10 for Scotland. Lyndon Dykes has got three in 10. Two of those came in the same game against Ukraine. We have been relying on goals really from John McGinn and players chipping in going forward. Um, so I don't think they would be picking either of these players for their prolificness in front of goal. Um, I think it's what they bring overall. And, and at the moment, Dykes... Uh, undoubtedly has been providing so much since he replaced Adams in the team back in March. Um, I mentioned one headline earlier from the Daily Record, R.E. Elliot Anderson's injury. Try this on for size. Everton considered move for 15 million player compared to Ronaldo this summer, but he was too old. That was uh, the boot room, if anyone's particularly up to speed, to speed on that blog. Who is Matt Baker, uh, an old teammate? Anyone know who Matt Baker is? I tried to Google him. Couldn't find much evidence. Shea Adams, incredibly, has been compared to the Brazilian Ronaldo with old teammate Matt Baker saying, he reminds me a little bit of the old Ronaldo. Uh, he, <laughs> had, he had that raw ability. Uh, he was powerful and strong, would brush people off and would go through people. Uh, the boot room then go on to say, Everton may not have considered Adams on the same level as Ronaldo, otherwise a bid would likely have gone in. I think that we can probably... Uh, I said like that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Shea Adams is one of a few strikers in the English Championship now. Nisbet is two and two at Millwall. He's in the squad. Uh, Ryan Hardy not in the squad. He's got four and five for newly promoted Plymouth, which is great. I actually did their game against Blackburn at the weekend. They scored a lovely instinctive finish, um, right place, right time. Followed in from the keeper spilling the ball. He was much sharper than the centre half. Um, so I think Ryan Hardy must be uh, on the radar, if anything. I think he's probably still got Ross Stewart ahead of him in the queue, for example. Stewart's been around squads. He's just moved to Southampton. Um, and potentially Ollie McBurney, I'm not sure. He's now back in the Sheffield United team. He looked decent against Everton in the Premier League at the weekend. He's just recovered from a foot injury. But yeah, Ryan Hardy looking good, guys. And I think we are going to have a few options to pick from if none of them Callum or Evan Ferguson, sadly, but we've got some boys playing in a in a, in a strong league down there now. Yeah, I actually had that written down in terms of we, we don't have a, an Evan Ferguson, a, a Highland at Norway or, or whatever, but they are in the squad for very, very decent options um, for me. And then you've got the ones on the fringes, as you mentioned, you know, the likes of Ryan Hardy, um, player I know well from obviously my... My club team, um, obviously know what he can do. Out and out goal scorer with, with pace to burn, and it's really good to see him. Really good to see him flying at a, a good level in the championship. Um, probably one that that you don't see in the squad unless it's um, kind of unarguable form. Um, same probably goes for for Ross Stewart with, with his incredible rise. Obviously, a a move for him recently. Um, interesting to see how that one plays out as well under. Under Russell Martin with a kind of the total football brand um, alongside Shea Adams, of course, as well. Um, but no, 
Definitely. I think Nisbet and Shankland are, are two good options. I think I said the last time I was on here in terms of how they've they've come on leaps and bounds maybe the last 12 to 18 months. Used to, for me at club level, at Hearts and Hibs, obviously Nisbet's moved on to Millwall, but they would, for me, they were just goal scorers and they would drift in and out of games, but pop up with the odd goal. But now I think um, definitely watching them on a few occasions, they've taken their game to another level in terms of the hold-up play, leading the line well, which, again, for all of us, I imagine would be a sort of a must-have for a, a Scotland striker, having to you know, have that ability to lead the line, especially on your own, sometimes being that focal point. Um, and they've been able to do that for me. I've seen Shanklin's, you know, being praised a lot, but the, without the without seeing the goals dry up as well, he's still scoring those goals, uh, despite, you know, being a little bit further back at times and, and being involved more in the play in the link-up. Ben, as the resident Jambo, it would be rude to leave out your opinion on Lawrence Shanklin, the man... I assume who has your heart? Yeah, I was going to say he's pretty much the only Hearts player uh, that's getting any credit at the moment. <laughs> he's practically playing by himself, um, so he's got. You'd have no trouble uh, holding the ball up. He is a very clever player. He's a very instinctive finisher. Some of the finishes this season have been superb, um, and people have people were sort of maybe tipping him for Rangers as well. And I can't believe that Rangers didn't go for him, um, and they've gone for sort of unknown guys that. Well, not unknown, but, you know, untested in the Premiership and they haven't started very well. I think Shanklin would have hit the ground running there. Um, he's proved that he can score goals in this league in a worse in a worse team with worse service. So I think he would have done really well at Rangers. I don't think he'll be at Hearts for a lot longer. Um, I think he's probably too good for Hearts uh, at this point with the way the Hearts are. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would I'd be happy enough with him playing. Um I can't see him starting, though. I think it would definitely be as a, as a late sub to kind of see the game out. The, the Ross Stewart goal record last season was was quite phenomenal. If he can get on that trail again, I think it would be hard to leave him out, especially with the team probably pushing for, at minimum, the playoffs. So he scored five and seven to start the season. Uh, this was just after, straight after Sunderland had been promoted. So a bit like Ryan Hardy with Plymouth this season. He scored five and seven and then injured his hamstring quite badly, he was out for four months, scored five and six in his first games back. He scored four in a row as soon as he returned, then tore his Achilles, which is why he's still out, and hopefully he'll be back pretty soon. I suppose Southampton must trust the process, given that they've invested £8 million of their money in him. So, yeah, it's looking a bit brighter, the outlook for the Scottish strikers down there. Um, But if we had to hedge our bets on one to start this week... I am going to say it will be Shea Adams purely based on fitness, guys. Do you disagree or agree? It's really hard to tell without seeing them in training because I really think I think Dykes is Clark's man. So I, I think I would say Dykes, but obviously if he's if he's only fifty percent fit, then I think it would be Adams. Yeah, I think I think it will be Adams. Um, I would go Dykes, but. As as you say, Andy, just the, the fitness for me, I think Adams is the, the safer bet. One more attacking player to touch on. He's not in the squad, but Ryan Fraser has moved to Southampton on loan for the season. So him and Stuart Armstrong and Ross Stewart all on the same team. Hopefully he can sort himself out whatever has been going on in Ryan Fraser's head can be uh, 
the the fog can lift and you can enjoy a very fruitful season with Russell Martin's team in the championship and maybe put himself in contention for the Euros if if we qualify. Uh, moving, <laughs> yeah, I'm still saying. If. <laughs> moving on to right back. Guys, Adam Hickey and Nathan Patterson both in full flow and fit and firing in the Premier League, Ben. It's lovely to see it. It's amazing. And see, when you put the ages through, um, we were talking about their age before we started. It's just incredible. I, I cannot believe that Hickey is only 21. Just turned 21. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, he did start at Hearts when he was 16. Um, I think the first time I saw him was against Celtic in that cup final. And to be fair, he, he was the best player. He was the best Hearts player that day. Um, and at that point, you think, right, this boy clearly has... It wasn't just talent. He had the mentality to go with it, that he could deal with the, the pressure. Um, and, you know, you've seen that throughout his career now. What, whatever he's done, it's just turned to gold. Um, so great for him. And also Patterson coming back, obviously, is massive. I'd say he's probably more of an attacking threat. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a brilliant, a brilliant situation to have. And the fact that they have still probably got another 10, maybe 12 years in them, it just means that we're virtually sorted in that position for a decade, which I, I can't remember that ever being the case. Callum, there's actually a little bit of a Dykes Adams scenario here with with these two because Patterson was our first choice right back. He had the jersey, a bit like Adams having the striker's jersey. Then when he got injured against Ukraine last autumn, that was during his injury-ravaged period, Hickey replaced him and has barely put a foot wrong. He started every competitive game since. So really the logic would suggest the jersey is Hickey's. There's no real reason for him to lose it. But Patterson, as Ben alluded to there, undoubtedly is sharper in the final third. If you look at his assist for Everton's equaliser at Bramall Lane at the weekend, that that ball through the corridor is is just fizzing and begging to be put into the back of the net, which Danjuma did for 2-2. I think maybe that's the one thing we haven't seen from Hickey so far in a Scotland jersey, is, is that ability in the final third, which Patterson has. Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth with the, the Dykes and Adams sort of debate. It's it's very similar. Um, it's it's tough. It generally is really tough. I don't. I would say I have a preference, which is Nathan Patterson. Um, just personally for for what you've alluded to in terms of his his end product in the final third, I think he's maybe scored one and and set up a few, and that that come to mind. And again, now he's. Okay, Everton haven't started brilliantly, but he's fit and he's playing regularly. Um, Hickey's maybe probably more suited to a game where we have less of the ball. Again, not to say one's a good defender, one's a bad defender, one's good going forward, one's bad going forward. I think both are good at both kind of areas, but one's better at going forward, i.e. Patterson. One's better at defending, which is Hickey for me. But I would just say in the final third, in a game where you're going to have the majority of the ball, i.e. Cyprus, it would be so harsh on Hickey to drop him. But I would, I would lean towards Patterson if I was, if I was pushed. A couple of observations here. So Patterson is is incisive. We're all in agreement on that. Patterson, if you want to get in behind the defence and balls to the cutback from the byline or fizzed across, Patterson is your man. If you need to break a team down. 
you want Patterson as an option, an outlet on the right-hand side to do so. If you want to be keeping possession and controlling a game, I would imagine that Hickey is probably your better option. Hickey is, is a really good passer of the ball. I was reading in the summer that he's very admired by Man City, apparently. So if you want somebody that is calm and composed in possession, can put their foot on it, then Hickey is your boy. Where are we here, Ben? Because they both have such different qualities. I don't think anybody would have an issue with either of them starting. Which one suits this weekend? Do we want Hickey, who is probably probably excels more at keeping possession uh, and being composed in it? Or do we want Patterson just charging up and down the right flank uh, and trying to get down behind the Cypress team? Yeah, I think I think we're now at a point where we, before we used to have to worry about what the opposition were going to do a hell of a lot. Whereas I think now we have the, the, the skill set of our players. It's more actually about what we can do in terms of putting our game onto an opposition, especially when it comes to Cyprus. Like that's no disrespect to them, but I think we can afford to play the attacking fullback against Cyprus and then I would play Hickey against England because against England you're going to need people that are really really smart on the ball that can keep possession so for me it would be Patterson on Friday night and then Hickey against England on the Tuesday night and I would be quite happy with that going forward because you've always got the right option then if if it's up against Spain and you need to keep the ball then um, Hickey goes in but if you're needing to break down a stubborn team like a Georgia or a Cyprus, then you've got Patterson. So you, they can, it's really good position to be in where you can pretty much pick the player to suit the opposition. It's not just you've got one right back and he, you know, he has his deficiencies and he has to play every time. We used to sit and you mentioned like worry about the opposition, but even worry about like which below average player we're going to pick for a, a position. You're we're now going, which Premier League right back do we want? Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Which 21, 22 Premier League right back do we want? You know, it's it's great. I know there's probably now a mantra of like, look how far we've come and everything and and people maybe get bored of that. But, but for me, I don't just absolutely love it. And it's probably a debate for another time, but you mentioned Hickey with, with starting at Hearts at 16, playing games from an early age. Like Again, probably the example now being used is Lennon Miller at, at Mullerwell coming in at 16, 17 playing. Like there's so much talent in this country. We should just get boys playing early, early doors, and uh, you know, look at look at the talent we've got in the squad now. And a lot of that comes from the the development early. Of course, you need a good academy and things, but um, get boys playing men's football early doors, and it's certainly bearing its fruits now. I, I was going to bring this up if we went deeper into the Doak chat, um, but just completely disregarding Ben Doak for a second. I think. You guys and a few listeners might have heard about Lamine Yamal at Barcelona, just turned 16 in June, uh, and he's in the Spain squad for, for this international break. After three starts in a row for Barca, he got a couple of assists against Villarreal recently. But they're they're getting him involved. They identify him as a bright light, a shining light for the future, and he's in. And I think it could be quite hasty, and they don't always come off. I mean, think of players like Bojan, uh, Ansu Fati, although a good player, I don't think has ascended in the way that a lot of people assumed they might three years ago. And maybe this lad will, will follow the same way, but they, they identify Lamine Yamal, who's playing first-team football for Barca, just turned 16 in June, and he's in the international squad. It's, it can be crazy. And look, you just said Lennon Miller, Callum. I'm not for a second saying that Lennon Miller is 
should be in the Scotland squad right now, but in three years or so time, if he continues on a trajectory maybe similar to what Lewis Ferguson has done, then he stood in so much better stead to be to be involved. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, you mentioned you know Yamal at sixteen. <laughs> it's ridiculous, um, and it is that kind of the mantra again of you know if you're uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough type thing. Um, probably Doak would be a, a different option if we're if we're coming on to Doak, um, but. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just incredible. I think you need to get get players playing at a an early age. Um, I think though Clark has done well in terms of integrating the the younger players. You look at this squad now. Again, there's probably another debate you have with did the did the twenty ones do as well as they should have with the the talent that was on show. You look at who's come up in terms of Gilmore, Patterson, Porteous, guys like that. Um, but think for me Clark's done a, a very good job Ferguson as well integrating them um, there's maybe if you're, you're being overly critical do you give Ferguson maybe 25-30 off the bench as opposed to 5-10 that's maybe a, a small small criticism um, not that not that Clark should be criticised for me but yeah to his credit he has integrated that that younger generation well and it'll be interesting to see for me um, looking at Doak if, if he's our Yamal or whatever in terms of being at that big club you know I, th- I think we're all awaiting eagerly the the Europa League when that gets underway with Liverpool I think looking at their group you would expect to see Doak um, involved in a lot of games I think Klopp said that and I don't have direct quotes on me but um, it would definitely be definitely be good I'm not against just calling up younger players um, I think it's seen as a positive by everyone I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of attacking defenders that put a smile on the faces of Scotland fans, Kieran Tierney has gone to Real Sociedad. Really pleased to see him move to a strong Champions League level team. Came off on his debut at the weekend after an hour. His team were 4-1 up and they did continue to uh, romp on to victory. I think it was 5-2 or 5-3 they won. Um, Did you see his announcement video, guys? (laughs) With Martin, I speak. The fans is so good. <laughs> Just superb stuff. I would love to be a fly in the wall of his his uh, boys group chat at that point. I wonder if the Scotland boys are instant for that because it it was stunning. Surely, Just, uh, sounds like me trying to hold a conversation and work. 
the Joey Barton, isn't it? <laughs> well, Tierney will be playing regularly this season, fitness provided, which is great news. He'll start, I'm sure, left centre-back at the weekend. Um, the other two positions have a bit of a question mark over them, guys, because Hanley and Cooper are injured. Uh, Josh Hendy gets in touch and says, are we now class at centre-back? And I suppose the root of that question would be that for the other four positions, we have Scott McKenna back in the squad, Jack Hendry, who's been good for a while, Ryan Porteous, who started excellently in a Scotland shirt, and John Souter is fit again. So we've really gone from rags to some sort of riches, in a sense, Callum. Um, we've got options. Yeah, rags to riches does sum it up. Um, again, another brilliant problem to have. Uh, not terrible options to choose from at all, like like in the past, almost a, a roulette of which centre half you want to see get get ripped to shreds. Um, personally, I really like John Souter and Ryan Porteous. That for me, if it was a, a clean slate, um, they would be my two alongside Kieran Tierney. Just with again, it's just personal preference. I'm not expecting everyone to agree with me. They're just the two players that that I like the best. But I think recent Scotland performances, again, going into Cyprus should be taken into account. And as we touched on with, with Dykes, as we touched on with Hickey, probably Jack Hendry's short to lose. Um, and I don't think he's done enough to to have that taken off him yet. So, again, very, very harsh. If he was dropped, as I say, I really like um, John Souter. I think Porches has got to start. Again, he's playing every week um, at, at Watford. Brilliant to see McKenna. Um, fantastic result. I think it was a clean sheet at Stamford Bridge, was it? So, yeah, um, no. not not bad at all from him. Um, but for me, the, the three start, and I think Tierney's nailed on. If we if we play the three, I, I don't know if Clark will spring a surprise, but I, I would hazard a a big bet that it will be the three. So it'll be Tierney on the left for me, um, Porteous and Hendry, because I don't think Hendry's done enough to to be dropped personally. Then Ali Clark is in the mention saying that he's very anxious about this game. Any slip-up will undo all of our hard work so far. Do the four names mentioned there where, who are in contention to play alongside KT give you a bit of comfort? Yeah, I would say so. I think Porteous especially has really stepped up well. Um, I was a little bit uncertain, but he's totally from the first game, I think it was against Ukraine, wasn't it? Um, he's been absolutely superb so I've got absolutely no no worries about him McKenna I think yeah, he started against like Arsenal Man United and Chelsea so far already this season so again the kind of players that he's defending against he isn't going to be up against that against Cyprus so I wouldn't have a fear about McKenna being in there um, Hendry I don't know how he's played so far this season but like has been alluded to he's always played well for Scotland um, pretty much um, and Tierney, I think the move to Sociedad is just fantastic. I think that's that that's just such a brilliant move in terms of the the sort of platform he's going to be on, playing Champions League, playing in La Liga, playing against the best Spanish teams. You know, they're going to be looking at him, I'm pretty sure, thinking, God, he could do a job for us um, pretty shortly. Um, so I'll be really interested to see where Tierney, um, how, how he does this season. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty confident to be honest when you've got Robertson on the on the left wing back as well and Hickey or Patterson a right wing back 
I don't think we've had that strong a defence for many years. The last international break saw Katie on the left, Hendry in the middle and Ryan Porteous on the right. The international break before that saw Katie on the left, Hanley in the middle and Porteous on the right. So, yeah, judging by that, it looks like the wide positions of the back three are probably, or the wider positions of the back three are probably Porteous's and Katie's to lose. So, yeah, Hendry, McKenna or Suter um, for the middle one. I I can't pick, actually. I don't know. It's uh, on instinct of my opinion and also trying to predict what will happen. I'd I don't think that Suter would play in the middle. I think he would only play on the right of the back three, which would then maybe shunt, shunt Porteous in one. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, we've got options, guys, and it's quite a good place to be in. Famous last words and all that. But yeah, um, these guys, I think, are putting us in a pretty solid place, especially with Hanley and Cooper out. So even when they come back into the fold, even better. Um, McKenna has started every game for Forrest this season in the Premier League. Two wins from four did to keep a clean sheet. You're quite right at the weekend against Chelsea. Um, I'm not really too sure how Henry's doing out there. He has been playing though. So yeah, and I think it's been made clear that his move out there will not impact his international credentials, especially with the level of the attackers he's going to be defending against on almost a weekly basis now. Um, moving into the midfield. One place to start, guys. Billy Gilmore, it's great to see him enjoying his football again. Ben, he's, he had a rubbish loan at Norwich a couple of seasons ago and he's had a difficult year personally uh, with all the stuff that's been going on um, with the court case. But he started the last three games for Brighton. He excelled in wins against Wolves and Newcastle. I think he only misplaced one pass of about 70 against Wolves and he had similar stats against Newcastle at the weekend, 12 passes into the final 30, wasn't dispossessed once. He's the sort of player, I think, that can unlock the door or help us break down a stubborn defence, which I fear Cyprus may be on Friday. Yeah, honestly, just I could feel myself smiling just at the mere mention of his name, just because he was, I've just, you know, you kind of fall for him at a young age. I mean, he's still very, very young. But he just he's so good on the ball and it's just he's just such a nice player to watch. He always it's just one of those that seems to have more time than he should, especially playing in the centre of midfield. Um and a lot of people were calling for him to get out um of Brighton, you know. And I'm so glad that he stuck it out because now he's just in the perfect position. Um he's he's playing every week and he's he's not just playing. Like before it was like, oh we'd maybe have a player that was playing, but you know, he's excelling. Um, he'll have a lot of teams watching him. We've we've seen what he can do. You know, I'm thinking England at the Euros. He he can play at the very top level. He's proven that. Um, it's brilliant that he's that he's playing every week now. Um, and yeah, I I think it would be crazy not to play him against Cyprus. He's exactly the kind of midfielder that you need to just create that bit of space, that little bit of magic to to unlock the door. Callum, a lot of people uh, are keen to hear. Let's chat about this midfield that we've we've got. Uh, Stephen Kelly asks, when was the last time we had a stronger midfield four of McGregor, Gilmore, McGinn and McTominay? Um, Specky Scott says, McGinn, McGregor, Gilmore is the undroppable triangle. Does McTominay fit into this team on Friday? Michael Grantham says, same midfield four as last time. McTominay, McGinn, McGregor and Gilmore. 
you'd be surprised if Clark changed it. Would you be surprised if there are any changes to that with McGregor and Gilmore in, uh, across the midfield with McGinn and McTominay playing behind uh, whoever's played at number nine? It wouldn't surprise me. It's not what, what I would do. Um, I don't, I don't think it's what Clark will do either. Um, I think it is that four. Um, as you touch on, it was it was probably the perfect balance. Um, you know, you've got McGregor, McGregor and Gilmore who'll sit a little bit more. McGinn and, and McTominay will push on. We've we've seen how much of a goal threat McTominay is. Um, it's crazy as transformation almost. You know, is he? Is he a number six? Was he a number eight? He was then playing, you know, right of a back three. Now he's almost, you know, pushing up at times to be that midfielder, box to box, just running, posting in, you know, like a, a Frank Lampard type um, to get on the end of things. Um, the guy can play anywhere, I think, but he's, he obviously played as a striker, as a as, as a youngster, I think. So, you know, he's, he's got that finishing ability. Um, but, you know, you, you touch on Gilmo there, I'm just... As as Ben said, kind of you, you smile from ear to ear whenever you you hear him doing well because he's different. I th- I, I absolutely love Cal McGregor. Think he's brilliant. Strolled it on Sunday in the old farm. Then McGinn, we know what we're getting. First name on the team sheet. McTominay's great as well. But Gilmore was that one where there was the question mark. I think it's actually crazy. But if if we do think back to, to a few months ago, some. We're actually questioning his place in the squad, let, let alone the team. Um, you know, but because he was second fiddle to, to guys that have got mega money moves to Chelsea and Liverpool, which is is kind of mad when you when you think about it now. But I think he, he should definitely play against Cyprus. It should be that midfield four, and obviously, you know, once Cyprus is out of the way, hopefully job done, he can then maybe run it back, um, play against England with the the cigars out again. I actually think, Ben, I, I can't believe that the, I'm going to say this publicly, um, but I think that I think that Gilmore's got another move in him, which is so obvious because he's only 21, 22. But I mean to the level that he started at with Chelsea. Or I know that Brighton are currently better than Chelsea, but what I mean is a club of that standing in, in European football. I remember hearing a story that um, Kenny Miller, when... They used to have guests at Murray Park or people were in, um, agents, etc. coaches visiting from around the UK to watch things. Kenny Miller would say when Gilmore was up training with the first team at age 15, would say, this boy will play for Barcelona one day. And, of course, it's only been three starts in a row for Brighton and he needs to stay fit for the season, stay in the team, keep impressing Deserbe. But I think we all probably had a bit of concern about where Gilmore's career was going to go, especially after the Norwich loan. He was clearly unwanted at Chelsea. We were desperate for him to make his his next move a good one. And Brighton, after a tough first six months, um, seems to be working out now, especially after they've sold Caicedo and McAllister. I, I remember speaking to someone at Brighton in January and I'd made a joke that hopefully you sell McAllister now after the World Cup and that gives Gilmore a chance to play. And they said to me, McAllister probably go in summer, no chance we sell Gilmore. So I think they had succession planned, as they say, um, for those two, and Gilmore's now getting the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, you know, I remember when he wasn't playing, there was a lot of chat about him coming back to Rangers potentially, you know, just about having to get out. And 
the, the reality is the players that they had in their midfield at that point were just better than Gilmore. But, you know, the one was a World Cup winner. But the, the chances of them then holding on to those players was very, very slim. So, yeah, they absolutely think that Gilmore fits into their future. And I 100% agree that he can go to another level. The, the way that he keeps the ball, any team would love to have that in their centre midfielder. And the fact that he can also pick an unbelievable pass. He just has virtually everything you want. Um, he is basically the Scottish Chavit. That's the uh, mm. that's the way he the way he played for us against England that game. That's what you could see. If he could do that on a regular basis, then that is the kind of player that he could be. Um, and I absolutely think that he's got another move in him. If he has a brilliant season for Brighton, which obviously we all hope he does, you know, the world will be his oyster at that point. Alan, can you see him and McGregor together against Cyprus, or do you think Clark might throw Ryan Jack in there, for example? Um, I, I, I think he's got to go Gilmore for me, especially in that that type of game against Cyprus. I think uh, it suits him perfectly. Um, I like I like Ryan Jack as a player. He's good. He's my, I know I was saying you know Gilmore. I would love to see him start against England as well. Jack would maybe be more of a if you looked at Jack. It would be for the England game, um, or or the Spain, for example. I think Jack played in that game. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, for me against Cyprus, it's got to be Gilmore. And again, just following up on what what Ben says that in terms of the Scottish Xavi, it's uh, I think a, a very good description because I, I, again, as I touch on, I really really like Cal McGregor, um, brilliant on the ball, and he's got that that you know Scottish side his game as well, where he's he's hard in the tackle and he he can be nasty at times, which you know, you, you need to have that edge. And that's not to say Gilmore doesn't have that as well, but he's really different to me um, in terms of a McGregor and again, McTominay, where he's kind of got that, that European edge to him. He doesn't play like a Scot. And I know I'm going on about we've got talent in this country, 100%. We, we definitely do. But, you know, you mentioned Scottish Chavit. He plays like he's Spanish. He doesn't play like he's a guy from, where is he from, Ardrossan or something. <laughs> he, like he, he just doesn't. He plays like he was born in, born in Barcelona, you know, so born in, born in Madrid. Um, so he's, yeah, uh, he's definitely one that, that, as you say, Andy, he's definitely got another move in him. Great to see him. I think obviously similar to Doak, we maybe need to, to temper expectations a little bit because he's only 21, 22. Um, but yeah, he's, He's one that that I'm really really excited about as well. Now that he's now that he's back. Tim McGregor, McGinn, and who else? Will it be Christie? Maybe as one of the two alongside McGinn behind Shea Adams or Dykes. Maybe Armstrong will get the start. Maybe maybe Lewis Ferguson will get a start then because he's doing well in Serie A for Bologna once more. Scored against Juventus. He's now the second highest scoring Scot in Serie A history behind Joe Jordan, I believe. So it's it's not like he's had to claim over thousands of players to get there because so few of us have played over in Serie A, but not a bad accolade to have. Lewis Ferguson, uh, someone mentioned earlier, um, he's had five, ten minutes here or there. I wonder if we will see more of Ferguson this international break because he has a goal threat from midfield. Yeah, I think looking... I was trying to put my 11 together and especially playing away from home, Clark has, he's gone to Christie quite a lot. And I think that's because Christie offers so much in the press and he's also obviously scored for us as well. And he's technically very, very gifted. So he keeps the ball. So 
of, of the names mentioned, Christie would probably be the one that I wouldn't be surprised to see him start uh, on Friday night. Um, Clark really rates him, and he's obviously playing in the Premier League as well every week now. Um, I haven't seen masses of him, but we've we've seen him play for us many times, and you know what you're going to get from him. So I, you know, from what I've seen of Ferguson, he looks incredibly talented, and again, another one that probably has another move in him. I don't want to move him on too quick, but you can tell that you know the other teams in Serie A must be looking at him, thinking, right, this boy can play. Um, and he's got so much growth in him as well, and you know appears to have the perfect attitude. So I would certainly be happy to see Ferguson getting more minutes, but I wouldn't expect him to start. Ellen, do you agree then, Ryan Christie, as one of the attacking midfielders alongside John McGinn? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. I, I again, people will sound people people will be saying that I sound like a broken record. Like you can't like everyone, but. And I'm not sitting on the fence at all. I've said who my four would be in terms of I would like McTominay, McGinn, McGregor and Gilmore. But again, Christie's a brilliant option to have um, in the wand of a left foot. And you spoke about unlocking the defence where maybe you're playing a Patterson or you're playing a Gilmore. Gilmore can make that pass. Patterson can get him behind. Christie's one as well that he was maybe criticised for it a little bit at Celtic, but he's one, as we saw in Serbia, that can... Pull, you know, pull out a, a strike from from somewhere edge of the box. Maybe a, he's done it inside us. Yeah, exactly. It was a screaming as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So he, he's one that that can produce that moment of magic. He's, again, that doesn't take away his technical quality with you know playing a a through ball or whatever. But um, yeah, big big fan of Christie as well. And and you touch on Ferguson, um, five caps. I think it is. Um, but in terms of minutes, Ada, we look only 123. Um, so what you're averaging just shy of 25 minutes per cap with a one start, which was a friendly. Um, again, as I touch on, I'm not going to sit and, and criticise Clark. Um, and as I'll keep saying, I probably sound a broken record saying that, that this player's unlucky. This is a good option. But again, it's a, a really good problem to have. But Ferguson for me is is one that's been really unlucky just with the position he's he's playing. You know, you're you're flying at Bologna and Serie A, um, but wasn't used in the last game against Cyprus, wasn't used against Georgia, going away back, but not used in Moldova when we won two 0 not used at all in the Poland friendly. I think he got thirteen minutes in another friendly. His other start was a friendly as well. So one for me that as I, I spoke about a wee bit earlier on in the the pod that you want to see him maybe getting, you know, coming on at this the sixty fifth minute, seventieth minute, as opposed to an eightieth, eighty fifth. I think he got seven or so minutes against Spain, and obviously Clark trusts him if he's bringing him on against Spain, even though we're two 0 up. But and I, 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 I get you can't have it all. You can't mm. as, as, as a massive squad. You can't play everyone. But he's someday I would I would love to see more of. Surely, though, guys, we can't drop Scott McTominay. He's one that's barely featured in this conversation. And and we've reaped the rewards of playing him a bit or asking him to get a bit further forward, Ben. Five goals in this qualifying campaign so far. McTominay surely can't have the jersey ripped from his back here. No, I know, but that's that's the... That's the the question, isn't it? I think the I think he's played maybe five or six minutes for Man United this season, though. I think that's the only thing maybe going against McTominay is just a total lack of game time. 
Um, but Clark has kind of shown that he's not he's not averse to putting someone in if they're not playing for their club, if they perform for their country. And obviously McTominay is a massive reason why we are sitting as pretty as we are in this group. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see McTominay play. The question is whether he's more match sharp than Christie. And there's obviously no reason why McTominay couldn't come on off the off the bench. Um, it really depends what Clark is looking for from his front three, who he thinks is going to get through Cyprus better. For me, I would probably edge towards Christie at this moment. Um, and obviously McTominay is an option coming off the bench. We have a message here from somebody on Twitter who's... Tag is I am unreasonable. Um, this seems like a this this seems like a fairly sensible suggestion, though, um, or question. Um, are we at our highest collective confidence for generations? Uh, yes, I would I would answer to that. I, the only time I think we would probably be able to touch this is when we beat Ukraine at home uh, after we beat France away in two thousand and seven. Uh, I think that's probably. Or was it? Was it? No, we. Did we, did we beat France? We beat them both anyway, but I can't remember which one came first. But at that era, when we were we beat Ukraine at home and France away, um, and we went into the Italy game needing a win to to qualify. I think that's probably the only time that it would come close to this. Uh, even if we'd got the point in Norway, following up the Spain win with with that turnaround, I think, has taken it to completely new levels, Callum. And I am unreasonable, says, can our outrageous Norway toppling mentality still improve, grow further? Um, and I suppose if we beat Cyprus and then deal um, deal with England with a draw or maybe, you know, maybe even a win, then, yeah, the, the ceiling is, is certainly not uh, immovable. Yeah. I think maybe the the next step. I, I was I'm, I would say I'm confident going into this game. Um, probably, obviously, that's the most confident I've ever been as a a Scotland fan. This this group of players. Um, I think I, I can't remember who it was touched on it earlier, but that midfield four is it the best that we've had? Certainly, is in in my lifetime. Um, again, I'm I'm not clued up enough to speak about your your John Collins and and whoever you know predating me. Um but yeah, um it's it's definitely most the most confident I've been. And probably your your next step, obviously reaching the the Euros would be incredible and a, a brilliant achievement. I hope that that's the you know nothing's taken away from it. You know, even if we do it early and people are oh well, well that was easy. You know, we we've still if we get through again there's always that if that I come back to, but um if we get through there's always that um, people may be going, oh, that was easy, but you know we've we've beaten Norway and we've beaten Spain, like two two nations that probably got better players than us in a lot of positions. Um, but probably the next step is against maybe a Cyprus or a Georgia, is comfortably comfortably beating them. That would maybe be the next step, and then I'd be, geez, we are a proper team. Yeah, I think under Clark we won. Maybe the most we've won was four now, and. I, Again, it's not in, in any way a criticism. Um, it probably is the the only one. I think Cyprus was three 0 but all of us would say it was, you know, not convincing. It was one 0 for a while. We didn't get the second goal um, for a what to the eighty fourth, eighty fifth minute. 
maybe if you, you go and you stick four or five past a, a good nation like like Cyprus or a Georgia, you're maybe going, by the way, we, we are like, we're battering teams now. That's maybe the, the next step, but definitely most confident I've, I've been watching a Scotland side. Obviously, you're looking at this as a banana skin, but I think we're past that now is, is the, the best thing I could say. Ben, I remember it must have been when we shared a group in uh, the qualifiers for Euro 2016 because we had Georgia. And I remember Republic of Ireland going there and scoring a couple of late goals. Aidan McGeady, I'm sure, was one of them uh, to win the game in Georgia 2-1. And I remember thinking at that point, when are we going to be capable of going to these tough places and, and pulling a result out when it looks unlikely? Uh, and then it was the next group when we, well, qualification was still possible. It was quite unlikely, certainly automatically. And we went to Lithuania. I think it was actually a six, yeah, six years ago this month. We went to Lithuania in a potential banana skin, as Callum says, and we just turned them over 3 0. If we can get anything close to that, I think it's going to be a job well done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think looking at sort of how confident you are, I think this. In terms of the squad quality, I've never seen in my lifetime a Scotland squad this. The quality in, in different positions and backed up by quality players. Before, you've maybe had one player like a Darren Fletcher playing for Man United, say. But he never had the kind of the kind of quality teammates that like McGinn has now. Like McGinn himself is exceptional. But then you add everyone else in. That's where the difference is. And you would hope that that would eventually start to show in these small against smaller teams, especially away from home. I mean, you, the thing is, you do see big nations struggling away from home. You know, there's not many teams that will go away and score heavily. Um, it's, it's just so hard at international level. That would definitely be if we could comfortably win on Friday, then you would really feel like, yeah, this team's really taken the next step. Um, but a, a, comf- a comfortable win, Ben, but. Look back at the, there's also a lot to be said for a gritty win. And I'll point you in the direction of Lyndon Dykes 1-0 against the Pharaohs when we were on the run and the momentum just carried us through that. We kept going. I think it was Nathan Patterson actually that put the cross in and Dykes just got something on it and it took a deflection and went into the top corner. We're absolutely taking that this Friday. No, no two ways about it. If that's the way that it transpires, fine. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And a good a good team is a winning team. That's it. So, if we can get that three points with, you know, you were talking about the percentage chance that goes up even more because it's even harder for the teams to catch us. So, yeah, I would take a one nil right now. In terms of progression, it would be it would be lovely to to win comfortably, um, just in terms of confidence. Well, yeah, I think what Callum said five minutes ago is right. When we did play Cyprus in March. 3-0 flattered us. We didn't get the second until late on. And then Cyprus had just kind of given up, I think, by that point, really. And we went on and got the third in injury time. It, it looked a lot more comfortable than our previous games with them. It was three consecutive 2-1 wins before that. Um, Clark's first game, remember? Ollie Burke in the last minute uh, was one of those. We had one away from home during Clark trying to turn the fortunes of the team after the thumpings against Russia and Belgium, Christie scored a cracker. McGinn started really his goal-scoring run at that point. And then if you go way back to 2011, November 2011, 
Kenny Miller scored a screamer and Jamie Mackey scored a nice solo effort in Cyprus as we won 2-1 in a friendly. Let me read you the Scotland team from that evening. So this is November 2011. Uh, can't quite decipher the formation. I would imagine it's a 4-5-1 though. Uh, McGregor and goals. Whitaker, Caldwell, Berra, Bardsley. It's quite a standard back four for Scotland at that point, really. Um, Mackey, Don Cowie, Stephen Fletcher, James Morrison, Barry Robson. Ah, Barry Robson left mid, absolute workman. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kenny Miller up front. Um, it's, it's very of its time. Uh, off the bench came Stephen Craney, Jordan Rhodes for a few minutes, James MacArthur and Craig McHale-Smith. Unused subs, Matt Jilks, David Goodwillie, Stevenson, must be Lewis, I would imagine. Um, Grant Hanley, McKenzie, must be Gary McKenzie, that played for, mm-hmm. would it be been MK Dons back then, maybe? Uh, and Craig Sampson was on the bench as well. Craig Sampson, I'm sure, was on the bench for the game against England at Wembley when we got beat 3-2. I'm almost certain of that. No, was it Jack Hamilton? Was it maybe Jack Hamilton? No. Jack Hamilton was on the bench for the 2-2 game at Hamden. That was it. Um, yeah, I'm sure Craig Sampson was on the bench for that game uh, against England. Um, and yeah, speaking of England, we will preview that and review Cyprus after this game on Sunday. I'm hesitant, guys, to speak with so much certainty about next summer. If we get three points against Cyprus, I think my waters might break and I will be full frontal Euros chat for June. Hopefully we can get it over the line with a stinky 1-0 or a free-flowing 3-0, whatever the outcome. Guys, let's hope that Steve Clark and the boys can make it five wins in consecutive games in this qualification group, which would just be quite incredible and take us into England for the commemorative friendly next week. So, Ben, Callum, thanks very much for joining us, and we'll be back again over the weekend. Sports Social Podcast Network.